The Psychedologist. Facundo Ragonado, award-winning author, composer, artist, alchemist, and philosopher. He is dedicated to studying the bridge between art and spirituality and its integration for the growth of the soul. His books, music, and artistic projects always aim to reflect awareness of the spiritual for the expansion of consciousness with the transcendence of our sacred humanity. In this episode, Facundo comes on the show to talk about understanding philosophy through introspection and self-awareness. We talk about conscious dreaming, lucid dreaming, and how our being is ruled by the subconscious. Other topics include alchemy, astrology, empowering ourselves through adversity, and some of Facundo's work, including the book The Author or the character's short living story and his forthcoming game The Mystic Mountain, which engages the players with different virtues. And stay tuned after the episode to hear a song by Facundo called Pearl Deluxe. Enjoy. Welcome to the Psychedologist, Facundo. Hello. It's a pleasure to be here. Hello, Leah. So nice to meet you. You were introduced to me by Tita, who was previously on talking about sound healing. And she is a wonderful woman. So I'm happy to make your acquaintance through that connection. Thank you. I'm very grateful too. She's uh, she's an amazing sound healer and very grateful for the connection as well too. Yes. Mm. Well, I'd love to have you share what your relationship to consciousness was as a child. Okay. Uh, in uh, the early days of my youth, um, I wasn't aware of consciousness very early on. It's just to call my teenage years. Uh, when I was a child, I mostly just had a normal childhood with imagination and uh, playfulness with my brothers. And uh, we created stories through there, uh, just, you know, making up stories and imagination. But around my teenage years, I began to write and uh, read a lot of literature, uh, world literature, you know, to understand the world and the mind. And from there, I got to understand more consciousness and it just slowly built into philosophy and spirituality and psychology. So I think it's around my teenage years where I got to comprehend consciousness and just go deeper into it, which allowed me to understand myself better and help on my growth as well too. That was the time where I began with, uh, with my novel, my first novel, uh, the author or the character Shelley story, which is a philosophy book. It's a fiction story, but just writing through it, which it took me uh, 10 years to write it, it allowed me to research a lot of uh, introspection of philosophy, esoteric, uh, astrology, tarot, and allow me to understand the mind, how the pattern of the mind works and how consciousness works through it. And through writing that book is what led me to understand uh, what consciousness is, which is, you know, for us as humans, is very hard to understand this flux of life right and and you know hard to understand to pin down what it is when you're actually in the flow of actually experiencing life <laughs> but uh you know through different uh, philosophies or different uh stream of thoughts of religions of you know very esoteric ideas it allowed me in, in to understand different 
concepts to understand how uh, we are in control of the mind and we can understand ourselves when we take in the awareness of what we do, of what we say and why we do it. And that just led me to, to the depth of, of the individual um, personality of, of our realm of life. You know what I mean? Yeah. So what I just came to understand is how, even though we have different thoughts and emotions through life, we always have the power to come back and change ourselves, to make the awareness of where we are at what point, regardless where it is, and just separate ourselves from our emotions or our thoughts. You know, they may influence us and change us, but ultimately we have the control to shift them, to, to change them, to say, okay, I am not my emotions or I am not my thoughts. So we understand that we are light beings manifested into this uh, physical world. So that's, that's the, the basic uh, idea that I came to understand at the beginning of it, just, just to start. <laughs> just a taste, an appetizer. Right. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm thinking about the, I don't know if it's a duality or the distinction between, um, well, you said as a child, you didn't think about consciousness or you didn't understand it. And I mean, I would say the same, but it's like I was, I was consciousness, you know, that pure childhood consciousness of, of just being in the moment, even though from an early age, I can think of instances of how I wasn't in the moment and I was concerns, had concerns and, um, you know, things that took me out of just pure experience. But yeah, I'm thinking of this like interplay now as well of I'm so fascinated with consciousness and maybe I, you know, do I do more thinking about consciousness than I do like feeling it and directly experiencing it, you know? Right, right. Yeah, I mean, for what I know as a fact or how we understand our human experience is that from you know, childhood until we develop a self-conscious kind of awareness, what as a child, we just begin and we just act on, you know, instincts or emotions and you know, it comes to a certain age where we become self-aware of, wow, this is who I am. This is, you know, this is me or, you know, this is the life. We become self-aware with that. And, and from there, we understand the experiences that we have gone through little by little to understand a little bit more about ourselves and keep growing through that. It's like an analogy for a dream, for example, when, when we dream normally, we are inside a reality that we don't know. We just believe what, whatever's happening. And we just follow along with what is, what is going on. But then as we, I mean, if we take a level of dream interpretation or, or dream work more profoundly, we can experience uh, conscious dreamings where we dream, but we become self-aware or conscious that we're in a dream. So the reality that is presented to us is, is not some, is, is something that we, we know that we can change or we know that is not real. So that gives us more power to say, okay, I know how to take this. I know how to take the certain choices or the, the certain ways of thoughts or emotions that come through there. And then from that conscious dreaming that we know that we're conscious, it comes lucid dreaming where 
not only we become conscious of it, but we can change the reality. We can say, okay, this is my dream, meaning that I can change reality as, as I want to, because I have the power to that. And that also reflects to our reality as well, how we see, like we become, yeah, I was born in Argentina and I was living here in Miami, but the experiences doesn't really shape us. We, we have the power to become conscious of it or lose it of our reality and just start making the changes of how we can create our reality in this realm, you know? <laughs> oh, I'm, I have so many directions that I want to go in with that. Um, awesome. For, yeah. First, maybe just a comment. You can respond if you want to. Um, I attended a talk the other day that was like, is there an art to opening Pandora's box? And it was about the psychedelic renaissance and you know, a, a lot of other conversations on this podcast touch on psychedelics at some point. And it was like, I guess Jung had said, people are not prepared or like, we don't need to have any more contact with the subconscious beyond what dreams and projections already give us. It was like, dreams and projections is a lifetime of work. You don't need to go looking for more. So I, I, I paused with that, found that really interesting and reflected on how, you know, maybe I've relative to my psychedelic journeys, I've discounted my dreams. Like I don't take them as seriously and I don't put as much effort into being conscious around them. So that's, that's one thing. And then can I give another road too? Um, I had a profound dream a few weeks ago when I was in staying in Joshua tree, California, Uh, an amazing, very, seemed like a very potent spiritual place. And, um, I like to I like to watch myself change in my dreams. Like if I think of my dreams in the past, I acted a certain way in them. You know, I reacted and now I I do things in my dreams and I'm like, oh, I'm kind of proud of what I did there. So like in this dream, for example, there were some people chasing me and this is I have this dream once in a while. Um, yeah, I'm trying to get away. You know, it's one person or a group of people, and I'm just trying to get behind the door, close the door, like lock them out and get away from them. And in the dream, as I was running, I thought, you are not, you are not real. You are my fears. And I need to face you and embrace you. And right. I actually did that in the dream. I stopped and I turned around and I was like, I need to embrace you. And it wasn't scary anymore. And I, I don't remember if I like hugged these like dream figures or what it was, but I woke up and I was like, yeah, progress. That's progress. <laughs> that's amazing. Well, that's uh, basically what dream work is, where you focus on how you're dreaming and the things that happen to you when you dream and you see the patterns that, uh, that approach to you because we are like 90% our subconscious and it rules most of us. And when we dream, we kind of like tap in into that. And we, we see what comes up in our subconscious, what is reflecting of what is uh, reflecting into us consciously, or maybe not, we are not aware of it. So when we dream and we have those dreams like that, it's like a chance, yeah, to, to go into it and, and, and make that change to say, we are, you know, I am making the, the change of how my emotions are reflecting into me and saying how I am consciously about them and just make that shift, you know, and, and make that change as you very courageously did. And, uh, you know, little by little, you get to the, 
you know, go deeper on different aspects, but that is what alchemy is. Now, uh, for example, when we have a recurring dream that always happens one, one time and another, uh, I think you will continue to do until, um, because the subconscious is, is telling you something that your conscious needs to hear. And then when you make that change, then everything changes because you're more consciously about it. I think the more uh, allegory that I can use for dreams and for reality itself is like basics that explain that we are in a room. In a room, everything is dark, right? And there's only one light, which is uh, a metaphor for unconsciousness. And that light is just light only part of the room. It's the part of, of how we are conscious of what we know and the, the other side of the room that is dark is part of our subconscious. So dream works or, or, you know, alchemy is just grabbing the light and just going to explore that dark unknown parts of ourselves, you know, to know, you know, what was there, what was in the other side of the room, you know, that it'd be part of myself, but we don't really know. And that's what we, we discover things that sometimes they're scary or sometimes we have to, you know, face them, you know, it could be many, many interpretations. But it's about that uh, exploration of, of the other part of the room that we don't know and just discovering deeper part of ourselves that make us grow. Yeah. I will just add, and going exploring into the dark corners with curiosity and openness. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, uh, you, you know, Carl Jung is he was one of the best, uh, I think, icons of alchemy and psychology that he really took Sigmund Freud's uh, learnings and he developed it further. So, uh, just to understand, uh, symbols and dreams is, is, is a way of, uh, discovering oneself and making that those changes. He said that, you know, we, there is no difference. I mean, we know for a fact that the mind doesn't know the difference between reality and dream. Just we, the mind doesn't really know the difference. It just does our caution, our consciousness through it. And what, uh, Jung was saying is that this introspection of of knowing yourself deeper or getting into that curiosity bravely and just exploring the darkness within ourselves is actually making us grow because, you know, he said like the, the trees that grow up poetically, right? The branches of how much we can reach out it depends on how deep we can go and just carve into the roots. So the more you go into the roots of yourself, the more grounding and platform you have in order to grow with a tree and, and expand larger, you know, so it's like a balance between the darkness going really deep, you know, to go really deep with the light. <laughs> I love that image and the, I'm really feeling into the stability, you know, the deeper you go, the more stable the base. Right. To climb to higher heights. Yeah. That's why, um, I study astrology a lot and uh, I use it as a tool. Um, sometimes I use with friends and and close families because, you know, the symbols of astrology, even though they're so old and we don't really know exactly where they come from, there's just the symbolism of it. It can help us understand deeper of ourselves and how those symbols, they signify just uh, forces within us that make us understand more of ourselves. So um, I printed my NATO chart and I have like a few uh, practical tools that one can use, you know, to as an example. Uh, understand how astrology works. So, um, mm, so as, as to understand how astrology is viewed, like when we are born in the time or place that we're born, 
the the sky or the, the planets, the stars are in a certain certain placement, and that gives us uh, a pathway to understand our personality and how we grow. So our planets and the signs and the houses, depending on where they are, they can give us clues in order to understand our tendencies. Like for example, I am my son is in Taurus, so the sun was in the constellation of Taurus when I was born. And that gives me a reflection to see how, you know, Taurus have some different tendencies that can reflect why I am the way that I am. So Taurus has that um, energy of uh, stability, of beauty, of pleasure and harmony, and it's about a physical sign. So those tendencies as me reflecting me, telling me how, you know, I, uh, I admire uh, grace and beauty and art and that that gives me like a pathway to say, okay, I, I like art and it, that inspires me because my son is in Taurus and that reflects me to see, understand what I am. It's, so it's not an exact science of it. It's just a clue to understand, okay, I, I like this because, you know, I, I can see the reflection of, of what it means to have a son in Taurus, for example. And uh, my Mars is in Gemini and Mars is the energy of, uh, of, of spark, of what inspires you, is the, the fire that sparks interest and uh, the drive, the will of going forward. And for example, since I have it in Mar in Gemini, it just it inspires me the, the tendencies of Gemini, which is communication, which is words, which is intellectuality. So anything that is around those uh, themes, for me, it's just, it reflects me and it, it inspires me. I get really, um, emotional or just moves when I see poetry, when I see literature, when I see intellectual uh, communication and, and just exchange of ideas. And it, it reflects me to understand how, wow, that, that tendency of having, having Mars in Gemini understands how, you know, it helps me understand how I am more inclined to get uh, more inspired with words and sexuality and, and communication. So for example. <laughs> So the, hmm. yeah, the Nina chart is, is there, very... And there's, um, hmm? there's a lot of beautiful poetry on your Instagram. I've noticed you put a lot of beautiful words out that I'm guessing make, make you have that feeling of inspiration and connection. Thank you. Yes. I mean, for, for my teenage years, I started writing and reading a lot and I was really adore. I was just adoring the, the fact that we can communicate knowledge and wisdom through words that we can read books that are really old and just understand what the people were going through in the past and understand those ideas in order to move forward to see how humanity can grow with the things that we learn from each other with experiences. And uh, for me, yeah, poetry, uh, just words itself, um, it's just, it's a way for me to outlet my, my inspiration and my will, my drive, my, my fire in order to, to say, okay, I am, I am projecting this perspective out of me through words so people can reflect themselves and, and see and understand me, understand the concepts that are um, projected in the poetry. And it's, it's a communication between, you know, human beings, you know, it's, it's, it's understanding ourselves deeply through anything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, for example, another thing for, um, for the native chart. Um, we have the nodes, which are the north node and the south node. And there is a position of the moon with the earth 
that uh, in astrology is is a, a guidance to learn what is what is the purpose of what you need to learn in this life. So everyone has a different nodes uh, coming from one side to the opposite side. Uh, for example, mine is coming from Virgo going into Pisces. So based on the natal chart and the attributes of that sign, it seems like my way of understanding the lessons that I need to learn in this life is coming from Virgo, which means coming from being a perfectionist, coming from being uh, meticulously and very analytical and going into Pisces, which is more imagination and dream. So Virgo and, and Pisces are completely opposite. You know, Virgo is about doing the right thing, doing the right way, you know, cleaning up everything, you know, being organized. And Pisces is about you know, being dreamy and messy and just exploring creativeness. So understanding my notes, you, know, you understand like, okay, I come from Virgo. I already have the tendencies of being perfect and meticulous and organized, but I need to let go a little, you know, to explore what is dream and, and, and sensitivity and imagination and illusions. So for example, that's another, uh, another attribute. Uh, of the of the NATO chart, which allows people to understand themselves deeply. And would people always be more aligned with the like you're more you're you're more aligned with the North Node, which is Virgo? Uh, is my right? North Node like, is in that's Pisces. more your way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so I it's, Did, would it's, you? Yeah, yeah. It, it it's a way of understanding like how I already have those tendencies of Virgo already implemented in me. That's where I'm coming from because I carry them from a, either a past life or something that where it comes from. And I need to learn the Pisces uh, attributes, which is like that illusion, dream imagination that I'm exploring with art. You know, it's just it, it, it's expanding that, that way little by little. So it's, yeah. You, you had a question before or? How is that going for you? It's a uh, little by little, you know, it's, um, it's just, it seems like because the, the, the mantra of Virgo is I analyze and the mantra for Pisces is I believe. So for many years, it took me a long time to understand how, how can I believe something that I don't see? How can I believe something that I don't control? Because it's not within my grasp to say, okay, it's, it is going to be this way, but slowly I just, it, for me, as a as, as in this example, it just allow me to uh, let go more, you know, not be a control freak of a perf perfectionist of how it's going to come out, but just express and just throw, you know, throw myself into the pool, let myself go in that belief of saying, I have to trust the universe, I have to let go of my control freak and just, you know, just play it and see how it goes because it's more, it's my lesson, it's what I, I need to learn. Right. Trusting that process of surrender and not knowing. Hmm. It, I'm thinking about, I believe it's the Enneagram. That's the one that has like nine numbers, right? Uh, what the Enneagram you mean? What I mean? What is... The Enneagram, like um, you get a number one to nine. I think I, I'm a two, two or three, which speaks to something about my personality. And I think it's also related to when, where you're born, when you're born. But the reason I bring it up is with the Enneagram, you can have 
because there's this nine different types and then there's when it's well or like when it's health when they're healthy and uh, and you know their needs are met and they're connected they're like this when they're unwell it could be like this so each one has a side of like well or unwell and i'm i'm thinking that it must be the same with astrology like in right in extreme times or if you're unwell then maybe you're doubling down on the perfectionism and the rigidity and when you are well and resourced then you are able to open up more or it's like the the positive side of that perfectionism you know like really caring about detail and attention to specifics can come through yeah yeah i mean everyone has a different chart i mean we're taking example my chart as well but uh yeah i mean sometimes we one will feel aligned when I mean, if I have everything controlled within my Virgo aspect, I mean, I feel at home. I feel like I've already done this and it's kind of boring. You know, it's like I already, <laughs> I'm already practicing things that I know. But the, the, the trust or the alchemy, the challenging is going into Pisces, which is believing things that are out of myself, which is out of my comfort zone, which might trigger things that I'd make me feel uncomfortable, maybe unwell, you know. But it is that alchemy to say that balance between I don't have to like, go 100% to Pisces. I have to like keep it 50-50 to know how to change and learn the lessons through it little by little. But each one has its own, um, its own process and its own time as well. You know, not everyone has to do it, you know, whenever the time is given. Each one has its own process and they can just take it naturally with themselves, depending on how they're dealing with stuff and how they're, they're growing. Each one has its, their own path. Feels like an emergent theme of what we've spoken about so far is learning. It's like l listening and learning and and then what we do with that. That's the alchemy, right? Yeah, yeah. I think, I mean, my, the, I think my mantra of philosophy or I learned so far coming from Hermetics or um, Kabbalah is uh, know thyself. There's a quote that says, Know yourself and you shall know all the secrets of the universe and the gods. <laughs> and I can prove that with my knowledge, with my journey, because, you know, writing the novel, which took me in a really deep level to know myself, I got to like really know the insights of things that people are rediscovering now. And I'm like, wow, I, I wish I could, you know, teach more about this because yeah, it is everything about, about oneself because once you know exactly why you do what you do, why you say what you say, the way you say it, the way you express it, it's like you already have the power within you to make anything, to, to, to do whatever you, you, you think you want, whatever you, whatever you think you, you need. So it's an empowering, know, empowering um, concept to, to know yourself because the more you know yourself, the more you have control of yourself and the reality around you. And of course, in this lesson of mine is just to let go. <laughs> you get to a point where I think George Harrison said that life is about once you complete yourself and you're identify with who you are, it's a, it's a, it's a deconstruction from there. It's like you let go and you learn a broader aspect of the world. You learn, it's a, a, resembling to um, Dr. Strange, how he says like, you know, you can learn all the mystic arts and have all the power in the world. But at the end, it's not about you. It's not about oneself. It's about the world. 
So it's, it's another level. Once you complete yourself and you get level to say, okay, I have the power to do anything. It's about the others. It, it's about helping others and make the world better. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Okay, philosopher, I want to read you a quote I read on Instagram the other day and sure. see what you think about it. Okay. Um, this was sent to me by a friend and the Instagram page is for the wild. And the quote says, we are more of an experience than we are a set of descriptive traits. Mm. Yes. I guess, I yeah. You agree? Yeah. I think if I learned my natal chart, maybe we would see some sign of that. I love descriptive traits, you know, like, oh, give me a label. Like, let it, it gives me a feeling of belonging. Like, I am this. I am that. This is that. Oh, I'm noticing this. And I think it's also a factor of being, you know, educated in the public school system of the Western world and um, studying clinical psychology, which is all about categorization and diagnosis um which is like stuff i've had to unlearn for sure but yeah i do i'm attracted to labels for things and this this friend is so um such a good teacher to me about focusing on the experience that we are less so the traits you know what do you think right uh i agree i think the traits are only symbols that we use to understand ourselves to know like why we are why we are the way we are and why we make the choices. But ultimately, I mean, it's the experience because even though, I mean, I can just be a monk and just, you know, have all the power within myself and know myself, the, the, all the labels that I know, what makes life rich or what makes life with value is the experiences that we we'll go through. It's like when I, when I, as a monk, I go and dance, <laughs> no, like you experience the, you already know yourself, but it's the experience of life which makes it rich. It's just just letting go and just experiencing what life comes to give you, which makes the value of knowing yourself even deeper. Now it's, so yeah, I, I agree. I agree with it. Even though we can liberate ourselves with our own understanding of what things are and who we are, I think the experience is, is, is above us. You know, it's just... Because it's, we never know what, what life's going to bring tomorrow or even in 30 minutes from now or whatever, you know, it's just, it's, everything is above us. So at least, at least the, the know thyself and the labels that we understand, it's just a way for us to, to make the ship, you know, as to put it poetically, uh, we built our ship in order to go to the ocean to experience life. So when we face any storm that is coming, we already have the ship within ourselves to understand how we're going to face it, how we're we going to sail through it. But of course, nothing compares to the experiences that happen out in the ocean while we just traveling. That's a lovely quote that you share. It's amazing. <laughs> um, your response makes me think of a poem that I read. Do you want to hear that too? Yeah. yeah let's... Okay. <clears throat> It's called The Ocean of My Life by Antonella Russo-Ball. Listening to my inner voice, my deepest wisdom, isolating it from the mechanisms of the brain, from the memory of the past, from fear projected into the future, I've found an ocean of peace. 
In that ocean, there is a boat. There's only space in the boat for one person. I'm going to sail it by myself, because it is the ocean of my own life. I'm the sail, the wind, and the ocean. I'm the sailor and the sailed. I'll choose the path, I'll follow my breath, and there will be no frontiers, because I will go straight to my heart, caressing every drop of the ocean, every single drop. Only in this way can I embrace the ocean as a whole and feel, inside, its movement. In each little particle, I hear the unity, the whole, and transforming, caressing, being true to me, I allow myself to be part of the whole. And so it is, in the movement of my soul, which is the cause of the movement of life itself. Wow. Wow. What a, what a powerful poem. So many different uh, symbols and so many different uh, factors that um, reflected the deepness of everything. It's so, so profound. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, it resembles everything that we were just talking about, uh, you know, ourselves in that fine and just going into the ocean and exploring life. Yeah, just like dreams as well, too, as well. I've said a lot. I want to give you space to what, what, whether what's coming up for you or what's on your mind to share now. Uh, my take on everything I learned for philosophy um, it's mostly just recognizing that whenever we have any bad times, any things that is tragic, anything that, you know, happens to us in life, we always can overcome it. You know, we always can just, uh, em em empower ourselves through it, even though it may be really hard for many different reasons, for many different factors. Uh, I think as you said, in the inner, inner home of ourselves, we have the power to just go back into ourselves. That's why meditation is very um, important. Just go back to our home self inside, just our, our soul and, and try to, you know, rise above it. That's why um, I study alchemy a lot because alchemy is just the process of taking coal or taking earth and just turn it into gold, just taking what is bad and transform it, transmute it into gold. I don't know if, um, well, I mean, there are many people out here and, and how the world has been changing. Many people have been trying alchemy in a way to empower others in a way of saying how their experiences, even though they had traumatic experiences, they use those experiences in order to help other people. They, they use that experience in order to say, this is the way I overcome it. And this is my example to say how other people can overcome it. Because we are, we're not the experiences that shape us, but we learn from those experiences in order to, to, to learn and just rise above it and expressing that, connecting to art, expressing our emotions, expressing our thoughts, expressing, expressing our experiences. They set an example for other people to to do the same, to inspire to be better. My take on art and spirituality, the bridge that is uh, connecting those, for me, is sacred. You know, every, of course, I mean, we can judge art by 
what we see ourselves in, in projecting, you know, galleries and stuff like that, but just the creative process of expressing, whether it's painting, whether it's music, whether it's words, whether it's dancing, just expressing our human emotions, just expressing ourselves. It's not only an alchemy within ourselves to experience that, right? But also just setting it out for other people to reflect through it, to, to get emotional through it, to get moved by what they see. I don't know. It's, uh, it's very weird because, you know, you never know what other people might get from the experience, you know, there might be like a performance and, and there's an amazing Joe at the end. But, you know, someone in the audience, they like the beginning more or they like the middle more. And you can see like how their perspective, they get under to understand the learning of what they see because it's a reflection through them. And even though it may be really small or really large, you don't really know what to expect. So just to let it all out and just express it out, it's just a way to, to welcome everybody to, to reflect through it, to, to feel identified through it and, and learn through that. Yeah. I think that the motive of our conversation is uh, mostly learning, <laughs> right? That's the <laughs> thing that is coming up very usually. Yeah. I, I like it. I want to respond to what you were saying about overcoming adversity and, and alchemizing the, the earth or the dirt into gold. Yeah, I mostly agree. And you know, in myself, sometimes it's a challenge to let go of my story about what happened to me and, you know, let go of some of the unhelpful self-pity. Because um, at the same time, you know, there's a reason it's like I, I, you know, I've needed to feel compassion for myself and, and recognize the, the difficulty, like how painful some experiences were. Um, you know, where I think it gets tricky in this whole idea of, um, rising above the hard things is like, I think people can take that and use it as like, you know, um, to judge other people like, oh, you're not rising above your struggle or whatever. And it, it can be kind of like condescending or just ignoring the, the real realities of racism and sexism and transphobia and. So, yeah, that's just something that, that came to mind. I don't know. I just wanted to name that. I don't know if you have a reply or not. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's very interesting. We're very uh, getting into the depth of things. Uh, yeah, I mean, based on what I've been learning throughout, and I thought at the beginning, we, I mean, the, the way that we should help each other is just to teach in a way that the other one will learn. But, you know, it come to mind, like, we, we change through time. So even though we can make certain rules you know, to say how he's responding to, to help others, whether, whatever situation it is, there, I mean, we, we change. So there's nothing really, uh, at the core to say how we can keep that to make us grow. However, what I believe and what I think it is right is, uh, our virtues. I'm doing a, a project. I'm doing a spiritual board game called the Mystic Mountain which is people for people to play and it's about uh, virtues and I have cards, virtue cards that I'm going to expose maybe next year. And because I believe virtues are the main core of how we can respond and help other people. And 
this comes to mind because, for example, if I have a friend who is feeling down and I have the tendency to help him or her, uh, maybe the best not approach is not maybe, maybe not sympathy or maybe it's empathy. So to understand the difference, to understand the purchase is to understand how we can connect to the person and help them. Not in a way of how we understand uh, the method through it, but use the virtues to understand the progress. So for example, uh, I take sympathy as, as poetically put in it. Sympathy is when I'm in a boat and somebody's drowning and I try to take them up the water and just, you know, I'm being sympathetic with them and trying to lift them up. But empathy is about me going into the water and just staying down with them in that sadness or that darkness. So, you know, the method doesn't really matter as long as you understand, like, maybe that person doesn't need to be pulled out of the water. It's not like, yeah, it's going to be okay. You know, you can make it. Maybe they, they don't need that. Maybe they, they need empathy. They need someone to go and just stay there, you know, to say, yeah, it's, it sucks. I know it sucks. And I don't know. It's, I don't know. You know, it's just, you're just there. It's just, you're not trying to lift them up. You're just there at the bottom of the ocean, just drowning with them because you're in their level. And that maybe helps more than the sympathy of it. So that's why the, the, the philosophy of the virtues for me are the core of what spirituality comes to be about. I'm not, um, expressing through that yet because I'm finishing this uh, project in order to expose it more this detail but you know the virtues of uh, generosity confidence uh, knowledge control uh, sympathy empathy courage respect those are the cores that teach us the different methods that we we can use whatever language whatever communications that we can approach to you know rise rise above it that's why the, you know, the religion of Christianity has those seven, um, the seven sins and the seven holy virtues. And I studied through that to understand like, wow, that there is a, a science through that. There is a understanding through it in order to make it better. But, you know, moving away from religion to understand the actual cores of spirituality, it helps us develop like different methods that we can use to, to help each other. Because we're all different. We all have different processes. We are different um, ways of thinking, ways of feeling. That that came from what you 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 shared. Thank you. The game sounds really fun and whole. Hopefully yeah, it's. Uh, I'm. I'm still. I mean, I haven't already done. It's just I'm preparing how to share it to the world because I want to, you know, uh, finish all the illustrations of it and then. And then expose it, and uh, I think that's another level for me to to expose how the virtues are important and how to apply them, because they hold a lot of knowledge, and they are the platform, you know, to show that there are different methods to use as long as you remain true to the heart, to the to the home of the inner self, and take it from there. The heart, the home of the inner self. I love that. Yeah. Regarding that comment, uh, we always have that balance between our emotions and our thoughts, our subjectivity and our objectivity, uh, female and male, that uh, balance of energies to say, uh, should I take a risk or should I just be more, you know, conservative? That 
energies of, um, you know, taking action or non-taking action, which we always play through it. But at the end is neither of them. It's just both of them at the same time, just knowing how to understand both energies, you know, feminine, um, sacred feminine and sacred masculine, you know, to understand how both of them work and use them for optimum energy and efficiency for betterment. <laughs> Your Virgo is showing a little bit. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's where I'm coming from. So I guess, yeah, I guess it comes from there. I have a, my Libra moon, so my emotions are tending to be more uh, balanced and, 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 and harmonized with social. So my Virgo energy is trying to express the right words meticulously in order to have the exact tone and the exact expression for, you know, for the, for the best. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. Thanks. So do you have a consciousness hack to impart to us something that you've been enjoying doing or feeling or engaging to deepen with your consciousness? I do a lot of uh, meditation. Um, I take it in a way very sacred, uh, the way of just going inside and just observing, having that uh, mindful awareness, you know, just having that separation to, to go inside because one way I do it and when I open my eyes again, when I come back, it's like a refreshness of, of reality itself. Uh, I you take that in meditation. Um, I think just any kind of art, uh, really helps because for example, I take it in as a intuitive healing kind of approach. For example, if I'm feeling sad and I write about it, just, just letting out, not thinking of the result, but the process of just letting the feeling out, um, that process it just transformed the feeling into something more objective. So when I write about sadness and then I read it, I understand the feeling objectively through it. And it helps me to let it out, you know, to express it. That's why my passion for art and spirituality, they're always, you know, linked between themselves because it's, it's very, very healing for people to express them out. Um, sometimes we just are too much in our heads or too much in our feelings, or we get to cocoon and just keep those things inside, but just to let it out, whether, what, whatever outlet we prefer is to, to make that, that flow and connect to that flow of, of life that we actually live. That is always in movement. It's always in vibration. So we get into that flow of the river. <laughs> The river flowing to the ocean. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Facundo. Where can people find you? Um, you know, are you on Instagram? Do you have a website? Give us the details. Uh, yeah, I think uh, the social media, I think it might be the best uh, approach. Uh, my name Facundo Raganato. I have Instagram, I have Facebook and Twitter. Uh, it's because I have a link tree there that connects to all my projects. Uh, I have a link tree for literature, one for music. Uh, I'm on Spotify as well, that I compose a lot of music as well. And uh, my books, um, my board game, the Mystic Mountain, are already there too. 
And I have a web page only of my first two books for now, which is com. But, you know, they can also be found in my Instagram or my social media. I think that's the best approach. And um, I'm very open to, you know, just meet people and collaborate with people because we are we're here. We're all humans. And it doesn't matter how far life is after, after just knowing that we're not alone, that we all have the same weaknesses and the same fears and the same things. We just understand that we are here for each other. We are here to carry each other forward. So we're very open to people. <laughs> like Ramdas said, we're just walking each other home. Exactly. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect phrase. Nice. And thank you so much for this uh, conversation. This is an honor to be to be here and, and, and talk with you. It's, it's, I really value and cherish these uh, deep conversations of philosophy and, and everything that surrounds it. It's amazing. Me too. I feel very satisfied. Thank you. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Facundo. I asked him after if he would send a song that he has written, and so we've got some music for you. I'm going to play Facundo's song, which you can listen to on Spotify, along with some other songs as well. Link in the show notes. Um, This one is called Pearl Deluxe, and that and the song Pearl were his first healing songs. He was experimenting with healing frequencies and meditative sounds, but also wanted to include some classical instruments like the piano and the harp. That's why he defines his music as New Age classical, he tells me. So this is a song he says people can listen to to heal, for it's composed of a major scale and notes that go upward in pitch to assimilate and elevate a feeling of harmony and to allow the soothing frequencies to affect the person. So he suggests listening to it with headphones and closing your eyes or taking a soft gaze somewhere, if that feels better, in order to fully appreciate it and let yourself heal naturally in introspection and meditation. Facundo says, The piano solo in the middle was completely improvised. It was something that came to me unexpectedly. Sometimes I do that, similar to writing poetry. I set the mood or atmosphere with a sound or a word and then hit record to let myself improvise to whatever comes up. The name Pearl came up when I finished the song. It was the only word that could identify the divinity, sacredness, and delicacy of this composition. When I published this song, I dedicated it to the beauty of grace, the divine feminine, and Mother Earth. Enjoy. The song is called Pearl Deluxe.
The Psychologist is Consciousness Positive Radio. Find us everywhere podcasts are hosted. For more information, visit us on Facebook or online at thepsychologist.com. Thank you.